all you friends for listeners to this podcast between me and Joey Snyder was recorded before the big blockbuster deal between the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers involving the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. So a little bit of our Bears talk and Panthers talk today will be out of date. We will get all of the reaction for the Bears and the Panthers deal this Thursday on Brandon's World. Let's get back to the podcast between Brandon and Joey. Coming up next here on the Brandon's World Podcast, Brandon sits down with friend of the show and former coach of all things casual boy when media, Joey Schneider. The duo discuss all things not NBA, including all things NFL, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and all the movement going on in free agency. Plus, the MLB rule changes, they preview the Cleveland Guardian season, and WrestleMania 39 is right around the corner. What they're looking forward to most. Does Cody Rhodes take the championship of a Roman Reigns? And the aforementioned WWE sale. What would happen? Who will it go to? And the duo give their thoughts. All that and more when the Brand World Podcast starts now. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, general ages. Welcome back to another episode of Brands World here, and today, as a part of one of our biggest marches ever, as you guys know, we've been bringing on guests left and right to cover pretty much everything, and today, I'm bringing on one of my good buddies, the man, and this is going to be weird to say, my now former co-host of all things Cleveland Cowboys, the one and only Joey Schneider. Former co-host, forever brother, buddy. That's that's the way it goes. Uh man, good to be back. It's been a it's been a long time since I've been on uh the esteemed Brandon's world. I am so excited to talk NFL, MLB. I don't think we're gonna get to the NBA. We I might. don't think Who we're knows? gonna get to the NBA today, but I want to rest <laughs> all, you know, as well. If we don't get there, we'll just say go Cavs. That's that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh so I'm gonna ask you this question. I'm 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 just gonna Started out by saying this. Um, the Lamar Jackson situation to me is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I've been saying this throughout the podcast for pretty much all year long. Um, I don't understand why Baltimore has not paid him yet. Uh, I think they are Super Bowl contender with him. I don't think they're even a playoff team without him. Uh, I understand there are some injury concerns there, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but he is such a special talent. And they are so uniquely sort of tied to him. Um, and really, they don't have another option, in my opinion. If you're trying to compete for Super Bowls in the AFC with the likes of even in your own division, uh, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, and out of that, Mahomes, Herbert, we'll see what Russell Wilson does. I mean, there's so much competition in the AFC. Uh, but, Jordan, your take on this whole Baltimore-Lamar Jackson situation that seemingly has been going on now for pretty much two years, though it's ramped up over the last couple of weeks. Excuse me. Um, so I am going to 100% and I, I 100% believe in the conspiracy theories. I'm I'm not even going to pretend that I don't. Um, you have Lamar Jackson, who, like you said, was an MVP. Yes, uh, he's had a, a injuries the last two years, but he has still brought his team to the playoffs with arguably the worst wide receiving core in the AFC North uh, up until, you know, up until this point, I mean, just absolutely abysmal. And 
he doesn't have an agent. He's he's doing it all on his own. The Browns gave Deshaun Watson that massive contract, five years, two hundred fifty million guaranteed, and people thought that was going to reset the QB market. Well, now I think you have agents and you have owners who are trying to not get Lamar what he wants. Like I said, because he doesn't have an agent and because the owners are saying, you know what, that Deshaun deal was a stupid deal by the Browns. That's not going to reset the market and you're going to get what we give you. I think the thing is, though, right, like Daniel Jones has gotten north of, of uh, 30 million for the Giants. And was, it every, thir- was, was it 30 or 40? I thought he got it's, 40. It's, it's at least I think I don't think it's 40. I think it's like 35 ish million. Um, but I mean, obviously Lamar Jackson is way much more of a talent than, than Daniel Jones. And listen, I don't care if Daniel Jones won a playoff game this year or not. In my opinion, Daniel Jones is a below average quarterback. He, um, Daniel Jones got 40 million. Did he get 40 million? Holy crap. Okay. Wow. I... Four, four years, 160 million. Okay. Wow. And again, that, that to me is a mistake by the Giants. Uh, I would not pay Daniel Jones 40 million, but I mean, if Daniel Jones is making 40, then Lamar's going to make, you know, at least 45 to 50, you would think, just on the amount of salary cap that are given to these quarterbacks nowadays. I understand you have to obviously build around the team, and it's it's hard. I, I completely understand it's hard to win a Super Bowl when your quarterback is making that much money, but it's the reality in today's NFL. I think it comes down to that guaranteed dollar amount. I think that's really Lamar wants that guaranteed money yeah. like Deshaun got. And I don't know, I don't know how much of Daniel Jones' contract is guaranteed, but I do know I, I know a lot of it is. And I know he had yeah. a 30 he had a 36 million signing bonus as well. Um Lamar can go to any team and make them a not not a Super Bowl contender, but Put them in the playoff hunt. Yeah, what you put him? You put him on any team. You know, I just saw um, so yeah, you know, someone was just I don't you know they were just kind of joking around, but they said Lamar on the Lions. I go, that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> Lamar on the Lions might be uh, might be that's, a playoff team. That that's interesting. You know, I I didn't think about that. Obviously, golf golf had a, had a great year there. I yeah. uh, don't don't know if they're gonna be willing to move off Jared Goff. Would I move off Goff or Lamar? Absolutely, I would. Um, mm-hmm. you're hearing a lot of rumblings about Washington, which I think would be interesting. Well, Washington, Washington already said they're out. Yeah, all, but they, all, yeah, all but they teams. say that. But I don't, I, I don't believe it. I, I, I really don't. You got teams all, like Atlanta all, that said they're out, which I, I don't believe. They said they're, they said they're out. Yeah, doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I've, Vegas is kind of interesting, though. I think they have said, you know, they're probably going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, there's a lot of interesting quarterback movement out there. Uh, speaking of which, one of them, the great Aaron Rodgers. Um, so Joey, I have said, you know, over the last few weeks, and I have leaned towards mostly that he was staying in Green Bay until recently, because it sounds like the Jets are really making the pursuit, and the Jets obviously sound like that they feel confident they're going to get Rodgers. Uh, but if I was Aaron, I would not go to the Jets. Uh, I personally believe that even if they get him, 
They might be second in their division. They might be third. I don't know if that puts them over the top of Buffalo and Miami, you know, depending on what Miami's quarterback situation is going to be. And quite frankly, the AFC is so much of a gauntlet that, you know, when you look at the other side in the NFC, really, and what generally is an Eagles fan, Philly, and you can maybe make the argument for San Francisco if they get a quarterback. Uh, those are your two biggest legitimate threats. And outside of them, I don't think Minnesota is going to be as good as they were last year. Detroit's obviously better, uh, but it's not a, as big of a threat. We know the NFC South is a mess. Dallas is good, but they're not, you know, a great team by any means. Uh, so uh, to me, Aaron, it's best shot to win another Super Bowl if he wants to add to his legacy is in Green Bay. And I don't really see him personality-wise fitting in New York. Um, that I mean, it's tough because he is he is a great quarterback, but he is absolutely one hundred percent a head case. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think that there's any there's no wiggle room, I guess, in there for that. Um, he's already you know he's thirty eight year thirty eight or thirty nine years old. Mm-hmm. So he you know, he may only have one or two years left. I don't think he's gonna have he's gonna be able to keep going like uh like Tom Brady did, you know, and finally hit the wall at 45. So if you're so if a team's gonna really go for him, then it's gotta be a team that is <clears throat> that's not trying to be a contender, that is already a contender, and they're missing a stud quarterback. Yeah, I mean I, I completely agree, which is why and uh, I I think Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I said, you know, this is why, um, you know, nobody else had pitched it, but I thought, why not Tampa? You know, obviously moving up Brady to Rodgers for one year. I think there's a consensus out there. A lot of people think Tampa is going to tank it. I don't think Tampa has a tanking roster necessarily. Uh, I think that they just, they they needed a reset. Uh, they obviously need to get their offensive line shirt up, but that team is still good. And and you could argue really that Brady did not play bad last year. It, it was more on the defense. And so that was an option that I'm surprised no one was talking about, just from my perspective. How about, how about Lamar to Tampa? Lamar to Tampa would be interesting. Now, I had said, too, like, if I was Tampa, like, obviously, you still have Mike Evans. You still have Chris Godwin. Would you be willing to give up one of those two, maybe a third or a second round pick? You know, and I said, maybe even Jordan Love to Tampa, too. Like, if Aaron goes back to Green Bay, do you call him out Jordan Love? Like, I, I don't think... I don't think Tampa is in, in, in a rebuild situation. A lot of people think that they're going to tank for Caleb Williams. And I just don't think that roster is a rebuild roster. Like, I think you need to fix the quarterback position. And so Lamar, Aaron, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I heard is a name that could be thrown out there too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. If the Jets don't get Rodgers, and then I think if they don't get him, I think that they would pursue Lamar, which – I don't know if they're gonna get Lamar. I would I'm guessing Lamar's gonna end up back in Baltimore some way, somehow. Even if he gets the transition tag on him, I think Baltimore will probably end up matching that. Because again, I don't think Baltimore is a choice. If the one of these two teams, I think the Jets or the Ravens, are gonna wind up not having a quarterback. Because the Jets, yeah, yeah, they won seven games last year, but Mike White played okay. He ain't the answer. Zach Wilson's awful. I don't know. Like, can you get a fifth or a sixth round pick for him and just get him out of New York? He seems like he needs a fresh start. 
one of these teams is not going to have a quarterback. Zach Milfson is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. So you better bite your tongue when you talk about that young man. He is a legend already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> more, uh, more for his off field shenanigans than out field. But, oh, man. Um, so kind of getting to the Lamar thing, I think that a lot of teams, if, if, if I'm not going the conspiracy theory route, I think a lot of teams are out on Lamar because they're afraid no matter what they offer, Baltimore will match it. Which, which I mean, I get it. It makes sense. I'm wondering, too, I feel like almost the Rodgers domino has to fall before the Lamar domino starts. Well, Lamar, because, would, you would still need to trade for Lamar. And correct. I think that's the that's the problem, too, is how much money are you going to have to give up on top of having to give up draft picks? When you So, like, so as you know, and... You know, if, if everyone out there doesn't know, you know, I'm a, I'm a Browns fan. We know that Brandon's an, uh, an Eagles fan. Um, you know, we sold our soul to get Deshaun Watson, and Jacoby Brissett played great for us this year. And then you know, Deshaun came in, flashed a couple of times during the you know the last uh, six games, but we knew we weren't going to the playoffs. Um. But that's a it's, that's a big contract, it guarantee is. guarantee two hundred fifty million, and I do think the owners don't want to reset that market with that big, of having to give you know that much money, especially guaranteed. But I think that it is going to up the market to a point where you are going to be looking at 200, 215 million, Yeah, where most of it might be guaranteed. Well, and again, I I get the fear, but also, it's a quarterback driven league. We've seen it now. Obviously, two thousand twenty three, the league has pivoted more offensively. Like I would be willing. Rod Rogers is interesting, right? Because it's like one or two years, but Lamar is is in his prime. And well, as he's, I, he's only twenty six years old, right? And and as I alluded to earlier in in this podcast. You know, there, there's there been the other, well, he's been hurt the last two years. Listen, almost one quarterback hasn't been hurt. I mean, in, in the NFL this year, we had many, many situations where stud, young young quarterbacks were getting hurt, and we had backups playing for, for two, three weeks at a time. You can make the argument over the last couple of years, the backup quarterback position and investing in it is one of the most important parts of your roster. I mean, it's football. Even even though they're trying to protect the quarterback, we've seen it. You know, obviously, linemen are, are going to get hurt. Receivers are going to get hurt. Running backs are, are going to get hurt. Quarterbacks are a part of, of getting hurt. It's going to be a part of the game. I think that the quarterback is going to – I mean, the quarterback has always been the most important position in football. I don't think that – I don't know if that's ever really been in doubt, even in the, in, you know, you could go going no. back years and years. I actually think a position that's being more coveted now, the two, well, two positions is wide receiver and defensive line. And I completely and, agree. And the reason I say that is because you can give a mediocre quarterback two really good receivers, and all of a sudden that team's yeah. offense is on fire. I mean, think about this, Joey. Last year, a lot of people, I don't know how you felt about this, I personally thought that Tua was a bust oh, yeah. in that's, Miami. That's, I mean, you can go straight to Tua, and that's the example. You give a mediocre quarterback, really good receivers, Tyreek Hill and uh, Waddle, Waddle, 
And he looked like an MVP candidate b- b- before mm-hmm. the, the concussion and everything, which they have a very interesting situation. If I was them, I would probably give Tua one more year. I don't think it's worth moving off. Um, um, once again, unless you want to go after Lamar, that's that's the piece where I would be like, okay, if they, we can get Lamar, but I they, doubt it's going to happen. They, so, they they already said that. Uh, yeah, that I did see that. Th- they're sticking Mike with McDaniels Tua. Came out. Yeah, Mike, yep, Mike Medeiros came out. So said he's going to stick with Tua. Tua's their guy. And I think it's a smart move. I mean – you 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 still have you know upgrades you can make to that roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that by the two, way, they there's another point on that. They may have lost to Buffalo twice and going one to the wildcard round, but I made the argument you can make the legit case. They outcoach Baltimore or excuse me, Buffalo all three of the times they played them last year in the snow game when we all kind of thought. Well, Miami's going to the snow. Buffalo's on fire late in the regular season. Two is coming back. Miami had a great chance to win that game. And so Miami's in a good spot. They they got upgrade some pieces. I, I agree with you. Um, but this whole quarterback carousel is fascinating. I want to ask you, because I know you because I know you're a big draft guy. So I, I so I did want to hit this with you. Chicago. Okay. You you got Justin Fields. Um there have been arguments, obviously, and I could hear both sides of it. Justin Fields is obviously a great talent. Uh, did not have a lot of talent around him in Chicago. They certainly need to upgrade the offense side of the ball. Did not love the hiring of a defensive head coach, Matt, Matt Eberflus, for a young quarterback in Fields. But also, Fields did not win a lot. Now, it may be because of the roster, or it may just be because he just doesn't have winning intangibles. I'm not sure what it is, but for this year, there's a lot of good edge players at at this draft where I think you could trade back with maybe Indy at four, even Vegas at seven. Uh, if you wanted to make a double trade and maybe then trade back with Atlanta at eight or Carolina at nine, like there are ways here for the Bears to get multitudes of first, second, third round picks for a team that doesn't necessarily need a quarterback and then you go forward and you try to build this thing around Justin Fields. So this is this is a tough situation for the Bears because my number one overall player is Jalen Carter. Okay. And I know that he had that he's had some off-field issues, but you're talking about 6'3, 310 pound defensive tackle, um, can move all across the line. Uh, had 15 sacks in his last two years at Georgia, uh, two forced fumbles this last year, uh, three uh, batted, uh, three uh, passes defended, just gets his hands up, manhandles linemen. I mean, he is, he's going to be a stud in the NFL. I really, and I really believe that. So you're looking kind of at the draft order and you got, uh, you know, behind, behind you, you have, um, the Texans, who you know are going to take a quarterback, it's either going to be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. But then you've got the Cardinals sitting at three. I don't think the Cardinals are going to take a quarterback. I think no. they're going to they're going to stick with Kyler Murray, especially since he's getting paid, you know, I think forty million, something ridiculous. So I don't I don't so that's where if you trade back to four, you're not going to get the consensus number one overall, and especially now, you know, they had JJ Watt retire. You need people in that, 
you know, in that defensive line. So I think the Bears would lose out on Jalen Carter there. But again, it depends on, you know, you look at Seattle's not going to trade. They just re-signed Geno Smith, so there's no point in them trading up to try and get a quarterback. Uh, The Lions at six, I don't think you really need to worry about a quarterback. The Raiders, maybe? With Vegas, now Vegas is interesting because so Josh McDaniels, as a head coach, is very, very shaky. He's on very shaky ground. And especially now that Derek Carr is out of there, which him and Derek Carr seemingly did not work. To me, if McDaniels doesn't work this year, he's probably getting fired. So, Vegas, I think they have to go after a veteran quarterback. I don't think McDaniels is, is going to want to be patient and work with, with, with these rookies, who most of them obviously outside of the top two and Young and Shroud, you know, may need some time. So, again, I think that they're the team where maybe they go after a, a, a Jimmy Garoppolo um, and I mean, start it, it, him. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to be really interesting when you're when you're because of this, you know, this QB carousel that seems to, you know, could potentially absolutely be crazy this offseason. But when you're when you're talking that number one pick, you just have to look at what do the Bears value? Do they do they say okay, they trade back? Maybe they trade back to the Panthers and collect. You know, the Panthers are sitting there. I believe at nine, eight yeah. or nine. Yeah, because when eight, so Carolina is nine. And maybe Carolina is going to give up, uh, you know, a fur, uh, you know, uh, two, you know, two firsts or you know, two first, two seconds, and a third, or it's whatever it's going to be. It's going to take a lot to get that first overall pick when you're especially that far back. Do the Bears value the picks? Do they want to build around Justin Fields, put some receivers? Obviously, they obviously need receivers. Absolutely. Uh, they they need to rebuild their defense after trading Ro- Roquan Smith. Um, and you know Khalil Mack the year before that. So, if I'm the Bears and I'm sitting at number one, I'm thinking to myself, Jalen Carter could be an absolute anchor on our defensive line. But if someone offers us a big enough package for that first overall pick. Maybe we jump on it because then maybe they can go and they can grab Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. And then they can grab someone maybe, you know, maybe they have two second round picks or they have, you know, two first round picks depending yeah, or, on the team that and, trades. And two thirds and, you know, you can really mm-hmm. build the team. So I, I, I get what you're saying on Carter. My, my one argument is because of the Bears roster situation, because they need so many pieces. One defensive lineman is not going to completely win them games. Um, and I, I don't want to say it, it would be a waste of a pick, but I don't feel like Jalen Carter changes your franchise overnight as opposed to, hey, yes, we may pass on this great potential generational defensive talent, but there's also pretty good defensive linemen out there that we can draft and build the defense up via draft and use a hundred million dollars that we have in free agency to shore up the offensive line. And maybe you go out and you spend, you know, potential money on a receiver. If you're not going to draft it, if that's the route that you wanted to go. Right. But you also have to look at the free agency market and who's, who's going to want to go to Chicago, you know, 
Um, they don't have a, a great reputation with their players, especially yet, you know, trading Roquan Smith and you know, Khalil Mack. And that's a good point. So they're kind of in, they're just in a really rare situation. I think that just if if Justin Fields was 30 years old, then I, you know, maybe, but I think that he's still super young. Um, I think what Justin Fields is what 24? Yeah. I mean, if Fields was 30, you're probably taking a quarterback. Honestly. Right. Right. Well, I mean, unless Fields was, you know, a, a super, I, I mean, 30 years old as a dynamic quarterback is still young nowadays, considering, you know, you look around at like guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and. Um, but but then it goes back to the mobility factor, right? Those guys didn't move as much. Um, and, and you, you know, so we're seeing, I'm not sure, you know, if a 30-year-old Justin Fields is going to be able to use his legs. And we haven't seen the ability of him consistently in the pocket to make the throws. I think that's the biggest concern with Fields. Though my argument is, what weapons does he have to even see if if he can be legitimate to, to make those? Because they went out, they traded, you know, what was it, a second or a third round pick for Chase Claypool, who pretty much did nothing in, in, in mm-hmm. Chicago. They expect him to, to be a number one. I think most smart football fans know he's really not a number one. He can be a, a really good number two. He's a really good three and a slime guy to me on a, on a really good team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I get it. I get why they tried to see it, but I think Chicago, their organization has been so defensive minded focused since basically the eighties. I mean, they hang their hat on the 1985 bears and it's not 1985 anymore. It is 2023 and as great and as good a defenses as you need to win Super Bowls. I believe, and I've said this now for the last two years, the league is leaning offensive and we've seen the advantages. The teams that have leaned offensive and surrounded their quarterbacks more with talent, even their defense is not as expensive per se or doesn't have as much talent, they're still winning a lot of games. You look at the top teams in the league, they're mostly winning offense in today's game. Yeah, I mean, I I just... I think that the Bears looked at Chase Claypool the same way the Steelers did for like one or two seasons. Like he's going to be the next DK Metcalf, but DK Metcalf, there, there's only one of him. You know, six I, five, blazing yeah. speed, can now, jump. That I I gotta say, I I gotta tell the people this. I gotta give my man Joey Schneider a lot of credit because before this season, we were talking, we were in a fantasy draft for believe one, and Joey picked DK Metcalf. And I said, DK Metcalf, I know he's great, but I was like, who the hell is going to get him the ball? And this man literally told me, he said, Seattle, they're not going to be as bad as people think. And Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks were one of the most fun stories in the National Football League this year. Seattle gets to the playoffs. Now the question is, they have, I believe, the fifth or sixth. I think it might be fifth because I think Detroit is sixth. They, they have the fifth. fifth. They have the fifth pick in the draft. They, well, there's they got, a lot. There's a lot to talk about Seattle yeah. potentially drafting Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. Well, they got two. They got two firsts. Yeah, that's and, right. And, they have and, their own and, and I, And I believe they have two seconds as well. So Seattle's sitting pretty right now. <clears throat> um, I actually don't see them taking a quarterback. Excuse me, there's my one. Um, I don't see them taking a quarterback. I see Seattle going defense to try, you know, to try and rebuild what they, uh, you know, what they had uh, because it's obviously not there anymore. Um, But I mean, 
who knows? I mean, look at, you know, they drafted Kenneth Walker last year, who yeah. ended up being a great running back. They still got Tyler Lockett and DK. They didn't trade either one. And before the season, we thought, you know, there was a lot of buzz that one of those two was, were going to get traded so they could acquire more picks, but they didn't. Uh, Gino revived his career, just got a really nice payday from Seattle as well. I believe it was three years, uh, $35 million. Yeah. And well, the, the three years, thirty five million yeah. a year. So you know, really, really good for Gino. The, the the thing with Seattle is you can make the argument that they're never going to have this. And Pete Carroll's even said this: we're usually picking in the twenties. We're probably not going to have a top five pick again. And do you really believe that Geno Smith is the guy for you five, ten years from now? I don't. Uh, I think he's a really nice story. Uh, but I do think that. There are some raw quarterbacks in this draft that, you know, with Geno behind them, maybe they get a couple years. Maybe they do develop with those two receivers. Listen, they tried to both both their starting tackles in last year's draft. You're probably not going to have a draft like they had last year. I think they had five or six starters they got legitimately just in that draft alone. Uh, I agree that they need to, to, to build up the defense, which I think you can do in later rounds. I think with this pick... I'm looking at Will Levis. I'm looking at Anthony Richardson. Uh, and I think I'm thinking about taking a quarterback to sort of protect my future and let him learn for one to two seasons under Geno. Right. But you can also, you can't forget DK is, I think, 26 or 27. Lockett's 30 now. Uh, so how many more years do they have of those great receivers? So, yeah, I agree with you, but I think. I personally think the smarter move is to actually move back and acquire more. You because you, you move you, back to like 10, 12. No, no, I would try. I mean, if someone wants to if someone wants to move up to five, I'm looking at a team that's probably sitting at like 14 or 15. Okay. Maybe maybe needs a quarterback and is willing to give up, you know, another two two first, two seconds or something like that. Maybe if Washington doesn't, you know, obviously Washington's out on Lamar Jack. I don't know how they feel about Sam Howe. Very interesting situation there with Sam Howe because yeah. uh, he, he looked good at the end of last year. I mean, you know, if Carolina do- doesn't get a quarterback, could they jump nine to five? Because Carolina needs one. Um, now, I thought that's where Derek Carr was going to go personally was Carolina. Um, I thought that that was a really good fit for him. I understand the Saints fit. Dennis Allen, obviously, from former head coach with the Raiders. They have some good weapons. If Michael Thomas reported he's working on a contract extension, if Michael Thomas can get healthy, uh, they, they have some legitimate weapons, um, and that division is obviously awful. But you're right. there. There's some teams in there that I think could could move up potentially. I don't think there's a good fit for anyone at Carolina. I think Carolina is one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, I think that really? they, I think they have some solid guys on the defensive side of the ball. I but offensively they need an entire rework. Um, I mean, who who's who's the running back? Who are the receivers? See, I mean, I, their offensive I like line. Foreman. I like Foreman and I like yeah. um Hubbard, the back. D- DJ Moore, pr- pretty good receivers. They D- got okay, receiver. D- D- DJ Moore. Yeah, yeah I, okay, I, I give you that. their offensive line needs work. I do I do like Ian Thomas at tight end. I again I I, I like both their backs. I, 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 I don't. I still. I don't like their tight end either. I mean, I. I, they, I think offensively they have one receiver. I. I don't even like the. I don't like the running backs. I think that 
someone's got to score at some point. So, you know, that's where. No, I, I agree. But I also look at, they did win seven games last year, six games, six or seven games. Uh-huh. Like they're, they're not a terrible team. Really? If, if you look at that on the bird, yes, they were in a terrible division, but they're not, I, let me rephrase it. They're, they're not the worst team in the NFL, but they're, they're definitely in the top three, in my opinion. Um, they're definitely like if there was a tier list, they would be at the bottom in the bottom tier with yeah. probably you know a, co- a couple other teams. But uh, I just I don't see there's no reason they need a rebuild. I and I, and I and I don't see them. I think that they might be a team that like maybe Levis goes to. Um, and then you kind of then you start building from there. Okay, you got your quarterback. You, you go through the season who, you know, who can you sign? Can you get a, uh, a number two receiver next to DJ Moore? Yeah. Um, can you kind of build that, that O line up a little bit? Because they're, like I said, they're defensively, they're pretty good. You got Brian Burns and, um, Chin entire, safety. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Chin, who I did call when he, when he was drafted, I said, he's going to be a really good uh, player in this draft. Um, I can't. Who's oh god? They 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 got another really really good defensive lineman, defensive tackle. I can't remember the name. Brown from Auburn. Brown, yes, yeah, Brown. So they got pieces in that in uh, on that defense that you could you know that is already established. But offensively, outside of DJ Moore, they need a whole rework. I think the first thing for them is getting a quarterback. I'll give you. I, that. I don't think a veteran wants to go there because there is other. They need to. They need offensive linemen. So no, unless, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So, I'm gonna ask you this, <clears throat> this one question. Start a good job, but I'm gonna ask you this one question before we move on and talk some Guardians and talk this pitch clock and this shift because I know you got strong opinions on it with baseball. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Super Bowl. We've talked about it all a little bit. We we made some references to it on 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 ATC. Obviously, I'm a huge Eagle fan. Obviously, listen. I've told you this before. I'm not upset we lost the game. I'm upset with the call that was made because I didn't feel like we, we, we had a rightful chance to go down and tie the game, potentially get the game to overtime. I don't like the fact that, and I acknowledge it, James Bradbury should have got a holding call in the first quarter. It was not called. To me, the one in the first quarter was more egregious than, than the one in the fourth quarter. Um, I don't like the inconsistencies of officiating. And I think the NFL and MLB and NBA, really all these sports, but it's been coming more and more in the NFL recently. Yeah. End of games, even well, even the Super Bowl before that, you know, the Cincinnati holding call against the Rams, which was a ticky-tack, in my opinion, holding call. At the end of games, and especially in playoff games, I want, unless it's completely egregious and you have to call it, I understand it. But I want referees to stay out of it, and I want players to decide the game. And I I don't really know what the fix is because it seems like all these games are coming down to a 50-50 call that the referee is making, and I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, the thing that is just that's really weird about it is you go back and look, and it is 100% a penalty. But the fact, but it, it was such a ticky tack penalty, and in the in in the winning moments of the game, you're you're gonna call it then when you, that same penalty occurs on probably 
25 to 30% of the plays, you know, every single play over five yards, there's still grabbing going on. But you don't call it during the you don't call it during you know the first, second, third quarter. And at the end of the game with the game on the line, that's when you're gonna call it. And I I, I you know, I understand it was a penalty. It was. You could look at it a thousand different ways, a thousand different times. It was still a penalty. But it was such a small thing that occurs all the time that that was the time that you're going to call it in, you know, when the game needs to be won. I didn't like it. You took the game out of the players' hands. I mean, you know, yeah, you still got to make the field goal and all that stuff, but I just thought that it was it was a crappy ending to a really good game. And whether he, you know, whether the, the Chiefs would still would have won, or maybe that you know it would have swung and the Eagles would have won, it just it after such a good game, even though that that grass was absolute garbage. Um. Also, another conspiracy I have, but <laughs> see, I have a problem with conspiracy theory in sports. And I agree with you on it, but it's wrong. Um, listen, I don't know if sports betting is coming into play, and these officials are secretly betting on games. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there is a lot happening right now in sports. Whether it's NBA officials making terrible calls week, you know, night after night, NFL referees making bad calls week after week. MLB umpires calling low strikes, you know, balls and you know, way ball strikes. I I don't I don't know what's going on, man. Did, did you did you see uh did you see uh Fred Van Vliet from the Raptors go off? I uh, did not see that. Oh my god, you you gotta I just he just uh uh just tirade. I mean, like really well, really well um spoken but just cursing like crazy like if you it's almost it's it's almost crazy to watch because he's like so composed and how much cursing he's doing at the referees did it happen last night it happened yeah i believe it was last night and he oh he even singled out the ref he was it was ben taylor and he just was like went completely off and uh i mean nothing he said was really wrong either like it was just it was a lot of bs calls and that's like you like was you the said. Was on that official just bad calls, or was it on the league as a whole? No, he say he said like most officials are most refs, you know, are pretty good each night. He said, but there's like one, you know, one ref or two refs that just seem to <clears throat> always want to make calls. Excuse me. Um, and you know, a lot of times it takes the flow out of the game, it takes the players out of the game, and you know, maybe you're going on a run. And you get called for some, you know, really either a no foul or uh, some really judgment small foul. Judgment day at best, a really judgment 50-50 call. Right. And and you're and it happened enough last night where it seemed like the Raptors, you know, they were about to go on a run and then, boom, they would get it and it would mess up the flow. And then they would go on another run, boom, they'd get another one and mess up the flow. And they really were such, like, like you know, like I like the term ticky-tack, like ticky-tack fouls. Yeah. And you're just like, what is going on? And he just absolutely went off. And I don't think that there's, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not someone who's, who's genuinely a conspiracy theorist. I'm not, that's not. No, and, I, I and, and I'm not either, but, but you see it and it's happening. And I don't think full-time officiating is going to solve it because we see full-time officiating across all the other leagues and they're just as bad. But I've always said too, like, I would love personally and I don't. I know it's not going to happen because I don't even think the media is allowed to go into these. 
I would want this some way, somehow. I'd pay whatever it costs to go into a rules interpretation class. I want to do it for Major League Baseball when it comes to balls and strikes. I want to do it for the NFL because I feel like I know if you take these online quizzes up, whatever, you can get 95% of them right, just not even looking up the answers. Like, I feel like I know legitimate what is a foul, what isn't a foul, what is pass interference, what isn't, what is roughing the passer, what isn't. I feel like I know that, but the way these referees explain the rules, I'm like, huh, I never even heard of that. Well, it's, I mean, I mean, and like you said, it's every single league. It's the NBA. It's the NFL. You know, how, how, how did Angel Hernandez have a job for as long as he did in the MLB? Oh my, and, and Jim Joyce, of course, I forget yeah. what the Tigers pitcher name, because, which was against the, the then Indians uh, that, that play at first base. Thinking of mm-hmm. Guardians slash Indians, let's talk some Major League Baseball. So since I brought it up, a uh, quick kind of Guardian season preview here. I said I'm I'm really excited about this Guardians team this year. Really excited to see how they grow. Uh, my excitement dampers a little bit though, and it's nothing to do with the Guardians. It has to do with the main competition they face. Obviously, once they get to the American League playoffs, which seems like it's not their fault. Yet, no matter. And I know, I know we played the Yankees really tough last year, but it just seems like, and it hurts and it sucks that almost no matter what this team does, they're a little bit closer to the Yankees, but it almost seems like Houston's completely out of their week. I don't think Houston's going to be as good as they were last year. Um, I think the Yankees are still going to be good, but I think that the Guardians made some really good, you know, some really strategic pickups with Josh Bell. I agree. Uh, you know, if I mean, if he can hit 30, Naylor gets up to 30, you know, maybe Oscar Gonzalez, because I, I think Oscar Gonzalez is going to he's going to hit 40 home runs uh, at some point. You know, he his biggest I mean, his biggest problem was laying off the the low, the low you know, sweeping stuff, you know, the you know the low curves, the low sliders, uh, sinker, stuff like that. But um, I think that, that, you know, they signed Zanino. You know, whatever you know, whenever he gets, he's a hundred. He's a hundred percent. The last full season he played, he had thirty three home runs. And I believe he was an all star as well. So, on top of that, you got the Guardians. Uh, you know, farm system, which I do know very well. I covered the captains, the Lake County captains last year, and knew a lot of players from there who went up to Double A AA and even Triple A. I mean, this they have one of the top five farm systems in the league. On top of like I said, you know, really good strategic moves. I would like to see them get. I would have liked to see them get more pitching. Um, I really trust their their top three of Bieber and uh, Tristan McKenzie, who I, and I believe McKenzie. I think McKenzie is going to win a Cy Young. Yeah, I concur hundred um, percent. And I and I, and I like and I like Quantrill. Um, but you know, after them, I just I have no no faith. So I would like to see them get another pitcher, but they have. Really good pitchers down in in the minors who you know who might who might get their shot in the majors this year is just so guys like Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee, uh, Espino if he can get that shoulder good. We still got Emmanuel Classe who is the best you know the best uh, closer in the game. So do you know can we beat the Yankees? Yeah, I hundred percent believe that we can. Um, it's just going to be a you know how do these players progress through the season. And what is it, you know, especially the young guys, someone like an Oscar Gonzalez, yeah. you know, is he, you know, he had a lot of great hits, but is he going to, you know, six, four big, you know, monstrous type dude, SpongeBob there. 
can he can he translate that into power? Um, is can Jimenez you know stay at twenty plus homers? You know, is is Jose gonna be around forty homers again? Can Straw you know not hit two fifteen <laughs> for the season? Uh, is Stephen Kwan gonna be that three hundred hitter? You know, there's so many questions, but I think that this Indians team is just very well built. <laughs> Excuse me. Still getting over code, guys. So it's all right. Um, yeah, um, I mean, just, but, just, just just to piggyback off that, is is there, you know, center field maybe? I mean, is there a chance you call Valera or somebody there maybe midway for the season? Do they try to upgrade over Straw? I is is that the, really the only true weakness? Um, defensively, no, because Straw's right. defense. I mean, he was a Golden Glove winner last year. It's the it's the hitting that you know that hurts yeah. straw. And if I'm being 100 percent honest, I think that if you decided to you know bring up someone like Valera and he's hitting well, I think you're actually probably moving Quan to center and putting Valera in, in left and left. So that's that's where I think that would go. But I mean, defensively, you're you, I mean you're losing a Golden Glover. So I think that you got to hope that everyone above him. Is uh, hitting the crap out of the ball. Hey, listen, I I like Strom more than most people. When people were banging on him last year, basically saying cut him, I I always defended Strom because listen, once you're the Yankees or one of these teams like the Dodgers that spend a limit of money, you're gonna have holes in, in your lineup somewhere. Uh, it's just in the past the Guardians would go through you know their top three or top four, and then they'd have no inning in the bottom of their lineup. Now, over the last couple of years, they pretty much have fixed the, the, the bottom of their order. Uh, outfield has been significantly upgraded with the additions of Gonzalez and Quan. Middle of the infield team's pretty set. Obviously, they have a lot of prospects, and I still love, love Ahmed Rosario. It's why I was hesitant. There was a lot of talk about trading Rosario at the deadline, and I kept saying, no, no, no. He's so consistent at both the plate and his defense. I understand they have so many young shortstops, but I love the way he played. Um, obviously you, you mentioned Zanito replacing Hedges at catcher, uh, not that many catchers, you know, hit right now over, you know, 220, uh, 230. You just then get over that Mendoza line of 200. So I think this team's really good. Last year, I projected them to win 90 games, predicted them to win the AO Central. I believe they ended up winning 92. And this year, I think it's going to be about the same. I think it's going to be 90 games and, Again, I think depending on who they play in that in that ALDS, uh, that they, they could have a legitimate chance to make it to the AOCS. I say they're going to win 102 games this year. Really? I think the holes that I'm going extremely optimistic and saying Rosario is an anomaly to me because he's got he's got. I mean, when he hits home runs, he hits the crap yes. out of home runs. But he also has the ability to hit the ball the other way. He could pull it. He's got crazy speed. I think that he he probably he's he really probably spent a lot of this offseason fixing and trying you know better contact, better power. So you know you're gonna have you know if Quan improves, you know over three hundred, leading off, great speed. Rosario hitting two, great speed. Three, you're going to have Jose. Uh, Jose. We know what he can do. 
four, probably Josh Bell, yep. who can who can hit 30, 40 homers. You then you're gonna have uh, uh Josh Naylor after him. Um, you know, he hit over 20 homers last year, and I think he could hit more this year. Oscar Gonzalez. And then, you know, I depending Havana on who you, seven, I would, I would imagine Zanito eight and then straw nine. Oh uh, yeah, you actually actually you might go Jimenez at six and then uh, uh I mean Jimenez Gonzalez hit over twenty hours. Yeah, Gonzalez I seven. Mean, that's the thing. This team has really good versatility. I think you know you can move guys. I think even Naylor and Bell, you could switch four and five some days. Um you, you know, I think you can move guys four for seven and really play around with it. Uh, I think this is a I mean, you just went for it. That's legitimately seven, eight guys in in the lineup. And again, if Straw hits, that's nine. Um, so you know, for this team, and they're still really, really young, by the way, and they're still mm-hmm. growing, which is phenomenal. Who, who, in your opinion? Because I, I haven't really made up my mind yet. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know who the quote unquote number one contender would be for the central. I don't know who their biggest rival this year will be because I don't trust Minnesota or Chicago. I think Detroit's really young, but I kind of feel like they're a year away. I th- I think you're still probably looking at the twins, especially if Byron Buxton can stay healthy. Uh, you know, that would really hurt them last year. The fact that he was pretty much hurt a lot of the season. Um, So I'm out, but you know, I would say probably Minnesota. I mean, I know Chicago got a little better too, but I just I'm I just don't see a team in the Central even w- coming coming close to to touching the the, the Guardians. So, um, <clears throat> as much as I want to answer your question and give you a team, I'm going to say none. Okay, no, it's <laughs> none fair. Of, and, and it's, the, it's the, not being a homer either. Like we would generally no own own Minnesota and, and Chicago. I mean, Minnesota just well, they they think they're so great, and then we have gone in there and just outperformed them. Um, okay. the, answer, the answer to your question is a D, D, none of the above. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. Bigger bases, pitch clock, banning the shift. I know we spent a lot of time when you were on Brands World last year about this. We agreed on the shift part and everything on it, but starting with the shift, taking away strategy from the game, I hate it, I don't like it, but I actually think it's going to benefit the Guardians because they already know how, how to hit the other way and and pull the ball they're one of these very balanced old school teams they play baseball the, the right way and we don't or you know we didn't shift a lot last year as it was so it's not going to affect us defensively either so <clears throat> i'm i'm going to talk as a fan of the game and not as a guardians fan i i hate it i absolutely hate it you're taking strategy away from the manager you know, you got a guy who can't hit the ball to the left side of the or to the right side of the field. So, you know, you shift, you shift over to the left and a lot of times it works out. So to take that away, to take away an, you know, an out, almost a guaranteed out is really dumb to me. And I think that I, it's just, it's, it's not something that I agree with. You're you're taking away some of the fundamentals of baseball, things you learn at a young, a really young age. You know, I mean, I learned the shift at you know ten years old, nine or ten years old, and you're taking that away from you know what you're teaching as well. You know, and then at higher levels, you're taking that tactical advantage away, and for what? Is it to make the game more exciting? I I, I don't know. I just I don't like it. I think that you're you're. 
and I don't want to sound like one of these old heads, but no, I do. Th- go ahead, because you are older than me, and I sound like mm-hmm. an old head. I feel like every time I talk baseball, because I am a complete traditionalist when it comes to the sport. I I, I agree um, with you one hundred percent. I think that it does benefit the Guardians, but I think that as a as a fan of the as a fan of baseball. <clears throat> I hate the I just I hate the rule change. I I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. There's nothing <clears throat> more I can say about it except I think that it was it's just really stupid and uh it takes away from the strategy of the game. Are you are you are you going to be like like me and your OCD is going to go crazy staring at this pitch clock? <clears throat> so, you know, I co- so you know I co- covering the, the captains last year that the, there was a pitch clock in the minor leagues. That's where that's where they they started it. Now the difference was the batter didn't have to be in the box. I think it's eight seconds with I believe it's eight, eight seconds. seconds in Major League Baseball. Yep. They di- they didn't have to do that in the minors. So, um, so so was it just for the pitcher then? It was yeah. It was just the pitcher. Okay, just just the pitcher. Um. I think if the batter wasn't set by the time that then, but it wasn't like other, you didn't have, it, was, you didn't have a designated time to be in the box. Okay. Right. Makes sense. right. So uh, it did speed up some of the games, but you know, other games, no, I mean, you know, it was, I mean, if you ever go to a minor league game, you know, they usually take a lot longer because some of the games, unless you get, you know, two really good prospects who have a pitching duel, um, you know, a lot of those, the, those games are high scoring affairs. But as far as in the majors so far, I hate it. <laughs> you don't allow the batters to to you know get set, get into the rhythm. You got pitchers who are trying to pitch fast. It's almost like it. It's. I mean, it's. I don't even know. It's. I mean, like the the. I don't, what game was it where the game ended with bases yeah, loaded, was, tied I, I game? I know Boston was involved. I, I don't remember their was opponents. It, was it Atlanta? Might have been a win. I know it was one of the first games of spring training. The game ends because he wasn't set. It was Bases loaded, three two count with two outs, and the batter and then the yeah the ump said the batter wasn't in the box with it you know with eight seconds left, and that was the end of the game. And I'm just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, how awful would that be if that you know if that's a regular season game? It then goes to you know goes to extra innings. But like if you you're ending the game on that, you're taking away from the game. Pitchers do things to get themselves ready. You know, a lot of pitchers have had to change how they stand and how they deliver. Batters, you know, you know they adjust their gloves, think about what's coming next. You're speeding the game up. You're not going to give pitchers enough time to get the pitches that they want across the plate. You're not giving batters time to think about what could be possibly coming next. I think you're going to see some games that are going to be a whole lot of home runs because this would be a lot of fastballs. And then you're going to see a lot of games that be real low scoring because you're just going to have pitchers throwing sweeping stuff the entire game and hitters just swinging because they don't have time to think about what's coming next. I don't like it. Um, I mean, I'm, I shouldn't say this. I think that it worked okay last year in, in the minors without the batter having to be in the box with eight seconds. Um, but I also think that, and I know they're trying to speed up the games, but there's just baseball. It's one of those games where when you are a hitter at the plate, when you are a pitcher, it is a chess match. When you're a hitter, okay, you know it's a two-one count. Is he is he going to give me something over the plate? Is he going to try and make me you know swing at something? You know, okay, I'm hitting three sixteen on the season. I got twelve home runs. Uh, you know, am I going to slap it the other way? 
you're taking a lot of the thought process out of the game. I don't like it. And um, I think that it's, you know, maybe by the end of the year, I, I might change my tune. But as of right now, from what we've seen of it in the, you know, the preseason, I, I don't like it at all. What about the, these bigger bases? What's the deal with that? Um, Made them four times the size for what? I don't know. <clears throat> I honestly don't know. And um, it's really odd to me because the steal rate is like dramatically down. Like the steal success rate is dramatically down. Wasn't it supposed the, to be the opposite? Yeah. It was supposed to be the opposite, and the steal rate is dramatically the, the um success rate of stealing base has been has been down in the in the in the preseason. I mean, you know, obviously it's a preseason, so you're you know, you're 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 when you're looking at who is stealing the bases, it's not the best of the best. But um, I don't know. It's just just a really weird thing to do, and I I'm not even 100 percent sure. I mean, like, I know the reasoning for it. I just don't know if it makes any sense. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where I get, you know, we'll see when the when the season It's Everything is a, is a lot of we'll yeah. see when the season no. starts because preseason is still preseason. And when when you go to a baseball game, it's, it's really sad. I mean, I was around people this year, the Guardians game. I went to two very entertaining games. One of them was was against the Yankees. Another one of them was against the Royals this year. Uh, they were both very well pitched. I think the one against the Yankees was like three to one, and one against the Royals was like two to one. So they were both very well pitched ball games. And the one thing I noticed was with both games, it really didn't matter uh, how how fast. The, the inning went. It didn't matter if there was a lot of bases and a lot of men on base. didn't matter if there were any men on bases. You looked around the park. The park may have been completely full, but kids and adults, not just, you know, little, little kids, most people were on their phones, not paying attention to the game until mostly the, the late innings. Um, and I don't think that it's going to change that. Uh, and as we know, baseball's biggest problem is marketing, and this isn't solving any of it. I think the the pitch clock might change the the um, it it might change the attention as you as you as you were saying. You know, you're not going to have as much time to you know. You might have a minute in between pitches sometimes, so you might be on your phone. Then you look up, watch the pitch, go back down. You know, you're not you're not going to have that luxury. So I can understand it from that perspective. Um, as a as a fan of the game, watching it, you know, going to a game and watching it, but it, like I said, it, it takes away for me at least. It takes away some of that strategy of the game because now you know these you know catchers and, and coaches have they got to get that pitch in real quick to you know to the pitcher. There might not be time, and the same thing goes for the hitter. You're trying to figure out what's going to be thrown. So attention span for the fan, absolutely. I think it's going to speed it up. And uh, I think the, the fans uh, are going to be more into it. And I do believe also, if I mean, if, you know, they're saying that they could cut down up to 20, you know, 20 percent, 20 to 25 percent of the game time. OK, I mean, well, then instead of a three and a half hour game, you know, you're two hours, you know, two hours, two hours, 45 minutes, two hours, you know, two and a half hours, maybe. And um that's nice for the fans as well, but you're just you're taking some of the romance out of baseball, and I'm just I don't like it. 
Joey, at the time of this recording, which is today, March 9th, 2023, we are approximately 23 days away from WWE going to SoFi Stadium. <laughs> WrestleMania 39 in Woo. Hollywood, California, and the main event of night two will feature the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, taking on the tribal chief, the head of the table, the man who will be very close to 1,000 days as the undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion, Joey's rating is one to the sky, the leader of the bloodline, one Roman Reigns. Woo! Okay, here we go. Roman Reigns obviously has both championships. The American Nightmare Cody Rhodes is coming back to finish the story where the American Dream Dusty Rhodes cannot win the WWE Championship. The American Nightmare is looking to do one for its father and his brother Dustin, a.k.a. Gold Dust Rhodes. Joey, you are telling me this a little bit, and I can't remember if it was pre or after we recorded the last ATC. Your idea with this whole bloodline stuff, very intrigued by it because I have my own thoughts on it, but I got to just ask your thoughts. WrestleMania, here we go, main event night two, Cody Roman. So I I, I, I kind of got to lead up to this before. Go ahead. I, so... The bloodline story to me has been one of the best storylines in wrestling in probably the past decade, maybe more. Um, it just all the stars aligned. You have Roman Reigns, who for the longest time they were trying to shove down everyone's throat as the next John Cena, the next baby face, who's gonna always be a baby face. And then they said, you know what? Screw it, just be yourself. And he's just such a natural dick, but everyone loves it. Everybody loves it, and they love. And no matter how how many horrible things he does, like beating the absolute crap out of Kevin Owens, and I'm just nuclear heat that he gets the next stadium he or the next arena he goes to, the next stadium. How many people got that that one up acknowledging the tribal chief? He's just everything he does, his promos, his in ring work. Just absolutely stellar. It is going to be really hard to see him lose those titles if if he does lose them because I don't know if there is anybody on his level right now in almost all of sports entertainment. Um, you maybe Okada from New Japan, and I know you don't watch other other um, promotions, but you know me. <laughs> But his um, his his everything, just everything, sports entertainment about him and his wrestling, just absolutely phenomenal. Cody, and like he said in that promo, doing the impossible is kind of his thing. No one thought he was going to be able to get out from underneath Randy Orton. You know when they had um, what, 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 le- what, legacy. What, what, and then you know, the, you know, then he had like the broken face thing, and then then he became Stardust, and no one thought he'd be able to come back from Stardust. He ends up asking for his release, gets released at a young age, you know, a third uh, or a second second generation second generation wrestler. Um, obviously, his father's a great Dusty Rhodes, and goes and you know they said you'll never. You'll never fill 10,000 seats. And, you know, he went and filled a 10,000 seat arena in Chicago 
for the first all out before there was even another, you know, there, before there was an AEW. Um, everything that he has done, he's always wanted to come back to the WWE and do what his dad could not do and win the WWE championship. It's a great storyline. And Cody having left and come back is such a much, such a better wrestler. Everything he does is entertaining. That match when he tore his pack against Seth oh Rollins. God. I, I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal match. The things he does, the Cody cutter. Um, you know, like I mean, he, it's 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 a thing of beauty every single time he does it. That should be a finisher for ninety nine percent of every other wrestler, but it's a signature for him. Um, you know, I know you know WWE doesn't allow pile drivers. He used to he in AEW he did the uh, the tiger driver, which is a double underhook. You hook both arms and then it's a pile. Okay. Yeah, pile driver. So he kind of turned that into a tiger bomb. Um, but he also took the pedigree too as well because you know he's he's always been a fan of Triple H. Um, but just his, his promos have also been knockout promos when he was in the ring, um, with Roman for the first time, Roman delivered this amazing promo and Cody just comes back and just says, you know, um, basically Roman said, I spent a lot of time with your dad. I, you know, I love dusty. You know, he made me, he helped make me who I am. Right. Dusty Rhodes impression, by the way, when he did it, it was a great dusty impression. I never thought I'd see, uh, you know, heel, heel Roman Reigns bust out such a great dusty impression. But, you know, he said he, he never talked about, we talked about everything, but we never talked about you. Like you didn't exist. And then Cody just comes back with, well, that changes absolutely everything because now I absolutely need to win the titles because I have to exist. And I just I thought that was a great, a great line to come back with. And this is going to be a a great main event. And I love the way that they have sort of curtailed Sammy, inserted Cody a little bit into that bloodline storyline as well. Um, I think we both know. Sammy and KO are going to team up against the Usos. It hasn't been announced right now. Uh, as we're talking, KO still wants something to do with Sammy in the, you know, in the story, and I'm putting that in quotations. Which, which they're doing a great job, by the way, of building that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, just, just to, you could honestly build that out probably all the way to the last week of Mania. You could make it on the Mania card. You could have I, it like, will we come out? Will we not come out? No, I think I think the payoff needs to be that either next week or the week after KO and you know getting the crap beat out of them, Sammy comes out for the save, they stare each other down, and then they give each other that big hug. Two lifelong friends who came up wrestling together in, in Montreal, Canada, back on the same page, coming to take you know, for the titles. That's a great payoff before you even get to the match, which is the real payoff at WrestleMania against the Usos. Um, I mean, you've had a conversation about, you know, what could possibly happen. But do I think that Roman loses the titles at WrestleMania? Is that the question, your original question? <laughs> uh, not, not really. I mean, it is. But, I mean, in my opinion... I think he probably will, but I'm gonna probably shock you. I don't think he should. Um, I I don't think Cody's the guy right now, and 
here I'm I'm worried about this. And I said this too about the Sammy. I've been saying this for weeks. I didn't love the idea about Sammy and Kevin going for the tag titles because again, if they win, what's next? Like that story to me, there's there's nothing after it. Uh and it just it doesn't feel as big as maybe you potentially doing a Roman, Cody, Sammy triple threat, or maybe you found a way to put both titles yeah. on the line, each for one fall. You have I don't know, Cody pin Sammy and Roman pin Cody. Like, I'm trying to find a way to keep the universal title on Roman and give Cody the WWE title. I I just, I don't see it happening. I don't think, and I, you can tell now that match between Roman and Sammy was so great in Montreal. It was so special. But they, Absolutely the right call. But this isn't the same deal as it was with Daniel Bryan. Or Brian Danielson now in AEW when he had to he they inserted him in the WrestleMania made it a triple threat because the fans just went nuts and it was you know it was the only thing they could do. I don't think Sammy is there. He's I think not- he is, but I think Cody is also there in in a way. I don't know if he's as hot as Sammy, but he's pretty odd. He's still getting a good reaction. Oh, uh, I, I I think I think that. I think that people want to see a conclusion to the bloodline story. What's going to happen? I just don't think that Sammy is as hot as 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 Brian was. Oh yeah, at no, that I time, to the point where they they if they don't insert him into that main event, that they're like they're going to riot. Like that's what that's what happened when Daniel Bryan yeah. won the, the titles. Was the fans went nuts. Every time he came out, no matter where they were, it was it was absolute mayhem to the point where they had to have him win the titles. Sammy does is not on that level right now as far as the fans behind him. He is what he, he is he is 99% support, yeah. but he does not have that extra one percent that Brian did. And that's why I think and I do believe Cody wins, and I believe he wins because it's gonna allow Roman to maybe take some time off. Some well-deserved time off. You know, we'll see what happens with the bloodline story. I'm not 100 sure about that. And then you have the draft in April, where I think that they will be splitting the belts back up to the, to the respective brands, the, the, the WWE Championship to Raw, the Universal to SmackDown, which then I think opens up even more opportunities because then, then you can potentially have Sammy win the title on SmackDown with Cody having the title on Raw. Because, I I mean, I think Sammy's close. I just don't think he's there yet. I think Cody has Cody has the juice to do it. It's a good story. And with them now inserting Cody kind of into this bloodline story a little bit these last few weeks, it's it's only going to push him even further. Um, But, man, I mean, just great storyline. You know, KO is going to get his payoff. Sammy is going to get his. And I think Cody is going to get his. I I'm the one that wants to see Jey Uso beat Roman. I I think I, 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 to, to tie it back full circle. Obviously, the first storyline of the Tribal Chief, right, of of Roman mm-hmm. and Jay, and you know Jimmy being the one locked in that guillotine, which Reigns has not used in a long time. By the way, he may pull that out again at WrestleMania. Um, so to see Jimmy walked in and see, you know, obviously Jay having to say, I quit. To now go all the way back around because you see, even with Jay Uso turning on Sami Zayn, 
on Raw. You still see the, the temptation of like every time Sammy talks about Roman, you can see it in Jay's eyes. Like he knows it's true. And there's always been that sort of like, yeah, I am the right man of the tribal chief, but I don't want to be bullied around no much longer either. And so Jay becoming the one to dethrone Roman either at WrestleMania 40, or if you want to do it earlier, you could do it at SummerSlam. Like, that to me, as much as I love Cody, that's what I'm saying, like, you could find a way to make a new title somehow and give that to Cody and let Jay and Roman have their moment where Jay Uso becomes the new tribal chief, quote-unquote, by being the one to dethrone Reigns. He'll never be the tribal chief. I'm sorry. Roman Reigns is just, he is on another level, man. And I and I love Jay. I, I love Jay Uso. I love Jay. I would love I would like to see him champion too. I just don't know how, how that would work right now. That's why I don't write for WWE. Yeah, I'd <laughs> um, love to write for WWE. That'd be a hell of a job. I just I just think I think right now you have you have the perfect setup. We have Cody, you have Roman. You're going to have Sammy and KO against the Usos. Um, and me and you talked. I said, well, what if Roman Roman win or Roman loses, but the Usos retain? Now, now who's who are the try? Who are the And I the thought table? that's a great idea. Because like I alluded to, I don't want the idea of Sammy and KO becoming <clears throat> tag team champions. Because it almost seems like their friendship is only because of this match to take down the bloodline. Like, I could see them very well being like, after this match, maybe they go their own separate ways. Because I don't see them being a tag team for one. See, I could see them. I can see them being a tag team because the one thing that has been weak in the WWE for so many years has all has been the tag division. Um, I think the strongest it was wasn't that long ago when you you know they brought back um the good brothers even though we haven't seen them on tv in forever and then you had rk bro before riddle yeah screwed something up you had you had uh, riddle and randy and then randy got hurt um you had the usos you had the new day before biggie got his neck broken by ridge holland and then you you, you know you have the brawling brutes seamus ridge holland and you know Pete Dunn, aka Butch. Butch. I hate the name. I hate the name Butch. Hate I know so you much. do. I I love it. I love it. I hate it. But it's you know you have them. You have, you have the Viking Raiders. You have the Street Profits. Like you got to get this tag team going, or you got to you got to start splitting some of those guys up. Like because to me, I'll be a hundred percent. You want to know who? And I think I've told you this. You know who I see as a future champion? I know Montez Ford. Montez Ford. And I Can't, and I see it too. And. You know, I won't say Dawkins has gotten better in the ring, but Ford is on another level. He, I, I think that he is just crazy energy. I mean, just um, a skill for days. I think, you know, he probably needs a little promo work, needs to be a little less reckless in, in some matches. But my God, does this does this guy have all the talent in the world? Former Marine, uh, you know, served, served um, four years in the U.S. Marines. But, you know, no one talks about that. Not like the not like Lacey Evans, where it's like her whole thing. Where they where they repackaged her four times. Yeah, I I thought the elimination chamber, which the men's match was so much better than I expected it to be. I thought that was a kind of test for Montez as a single star, where they were going to kind of test like could he handle being in a big singles match, and he killed it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that gives them again. I do think the draft's going to happen in April. I don't think you need to necessarily break up the street profits, a uh, face or a heel. I think you just break them up in the draft. Have Dawkins go to one show, Ford go to the other, and they just go their separate ways. But I think that you still need to build up that tag team division more. And I think you know you st- Alpha Academy. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, um, you just but but you we have got to- Delphantasmas on there. And they brought back some, but I agree they need to build it up. But Let me, so, so I have a question for you about WrestleMania because I've been thinking ahead. about. There's one specific match I keep thinking about, and it, it's driving me. It's driving me almost crazy. Charlotte or a bad way. Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley. Where, where do where does this match fit? Ripley is going to win because the Judgment Day is heading to SmackDown. Mm. Ripley's a hundred percent going over. <laughs> I I think that Flair will kind of maybe Flair goes back to Raw in the draft. Uh, and I think that Ripley as a heel now, if you're trying to rebuild the SmackDown Women's Division, which needs a lot of work because there are almost no legitimate challengers right now in that division, maybe I'll tell it with Morgan. Recover Rodriguez there too. Um, but if you're trying to rebuild that, I think a heel Rhea Ripley's SmackDown Women's Champion is the way to go. She gets her revenge from WrestleMania 36 in the COVID era, and I think it's 100% happening. I just... I don't see I I don't like Rhea in the in Judgment Day winning wow. the winning the title. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I just I don't like it. I think that you know there and there's rumors that it's going to be Edge versus Balor at WrestleMania. It's yeah. not it's not a hasn't been booked yet, but I think that they should make that match a if ba- if uh, if Edge loses he has to retire and if Balor loses the Judgment Day has to break up. The judgment day is no more. That's interesting. Where I think that's what that and that should be a match that is on night one. So that way, the judgment day breaks up. Now you have Rey Mysterio against Dominic Mysterio, no, which I cannot no, wait for. No longer in the judgment day, and he's and you know, dude, I, I love can, that idea. I can, love the idea. Can Dominic beat his dad without the backup? And I you, love and that it, idea. It, it, it's probably going to be a passing of the torch. I think that he probably does, which is going to drive people crazy because everyone hates Dominic Mysterio. Oh man, that that's going to be awesome. I I was going to ask you, like, outside of Ro, of Roman and Cody, can, can I want to ask you one more wrestling question that's not related to WrestleMania, but I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you, like, obviously, Cena theory, um. You know Bianca, Oscar, Charlotte Ripley, um, the the damage draw against Becky, Lita, Trish. I'm looking Edge forward. To, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that match. I just want to see is it going to be a banger or is it going to be absolute hot garbage? Like the this this card, I I know last year we we disagreed on the making of the card. And obviously, it turned out to be a really good show. And Logan Paul, Seth Rollins this year as well. There are a lot of really good potential managers on this car. That's but this show has the potential to be one of the best two nights of WrestleMania we've seen, in my opinion. I mean, depending on how they end up setting up the rest of the card, yeah. Um, like I said, you know, if you know, if they do Edge Balor, Edge's career versus Judgment Day, that would be phenomenal. That's like that's a huge match. Yeah, that's a huge match. Um, 
but I don't know if they, you know, if they're going to go in that direction. Just because I'm not a fan of Judgment Day right now, like, I mean, it's just what I mean. Damian Priest is a real, is a great talent who I don't think is being utilized. I like, I would like to see, um, like we, like, um, what's the who's 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 going to take on Gunther or the rumors? Isn't it McIntyre? Uh, Apparently, McIntyre. I think Sheamus is going to be added in that, making a triple threat, which Gunther's amazing. He is. Uh, aren't they? Aren't they doing a big six, like a six six person match? It's going to be a five man match on SmackDown okay. tomorrow. It's going to be okay. Woods, McIntyre, Sheamus, Karrion Cross, and uh, L A Knight. Who? LA, oh, L A Knight is over. Is done. L A Knight. You LA cannot have an L A WrestleMania <laughs> without L A Knight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quickly. Thoughts on Bray Wyatt. Where are you at with this Bray thing? I mean, when he came back, he's so charismatic. And the stuff, I mean, that pitch black match was was kind of garbage, but it was, I mean, seeing how creepy he was was awesome. I know. It, it was like, it wasn't very good, but you're like, this is awesome at the same time. But where, but where the hell are they going with this? You know, where the, you know, are they trying to get Alexa Bliss in? Uh, I mean, like it, it's been all over the place. I just, I don't know. You know, you know, so you got Bray Wyatt versus Bobby. It's going to be Bobby Lashley. I just, I don't know where they, where they go with it. Why it's even, a thing, you know, I got to see where this is going, but it's got to start picking up steam very quickly. I also am not a fan of Brock Lesnar versus o- uh, Omos. Oh, I, you know what? I know what people are against it. I'm for it because I want to see Brock have five omos. Like, I think that's just incredible. Like, me- I, I get why. I understand why people are, are all against it, but like, that is a WrestleMania moment. Let me, real quick, um, Asuka, Bianca, who do you want to win? Who do you think is going to win? I want Bianca to win. I think Asuka wins. I I want Asuka to win. I think Asuka turns heel and wins. Okay. I think Asuka is this. If you if you didn't know Asuka before WWE, she her name was Kana, and she had the, yeah. she was like a demonic clown. I called this at WrestleMania. I was like, she's gonna come back with like her original like New Japan, you know, like demonic yeah. clown. And that's what she's gone with. And I, I think that Asuka is one of the, I mean, it, she does not seem to age. She only seems to get better. And I think it's time that Bianca loses and has another mountain to climb. Because if you're just going to keep the belt on her forever, because she's, I mean, she is phenomenal. She is yeah. just an absolutely phenomenal uh, wrestler. But you, there's got to be a buildup and a payoff somewhere. Yeah, and there's and, really no one want for her to challenge. I mean, I, I'm a, I am a huge, huge Liv Morgan fan, but you're, you can't, two faces just don't, they don't, they don't work. No. And that's why I think that I think Asuka somehow turns heel either before or at WrestleMania and wins the title. Um, I do believe Rhea is going to win. Um, I believe Rhea wins, but I do not see Charlotte Flair staying face for long. She I don't is, either. She is not a good face character. She is a natural heel. As as a tweener, which is what she kind of is right now, she's not even that much of a face. Like she, I feel like she just needs a refresh. Like honestly, there's very few women in in the in the in the WWE's women division who can be a heel or be a face. 
the only one who I think can really that can, has really excelled at either has been Becky Lynch. And I was gonna say Becky Bailey too to a degree. I don't um, know. I don't know if Bailey can ever go back to being a face. I think that she I mean, she's been a heel for so long. Yeah. I think people are people recognize how good she is in the ring, but I just I think that people love to hate her. Um and they still love her, but they'd love to hate her. And I just don't, I just, I can't see Bailey going back face, especially after, I mean, she, when she was a face, she was all the way in. Yes. As a face. And she was all the way as a heel too, which made it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would be a bad host of a podcast, if I did not ask you this question, uh, because we, I have been talking about it a lot on my podcast, uh, probably more than a lot of the other podcasts out there. Uh, that, that do a lot of sports. Obviously, all of the wrestling podcasts have talked about this. But, Joey, there there is a little bit of a black cloud hanging over everybody's head right now in WWE, specifically because of the rumors of a WWE sale. Um, and, obviously, it's been going on for a while, uh, and the rumor is that they're going to sell Saudi Arabia. And I have been very adamant about being against that specific partner buying WWE. Uh, I have been adamant against them selling to begin with. I think it's a family business. Uh, It smells to me like Vince is pissed off that his son-in-law is legitimately doing a better job than he does. Uh, And he's bitter about the whole situation that took place last July. We're already hearing reports that he was in Gorilla uh, on Raw, which they say it was to visit John Cena, though I highly doubt it. The whole thing is just messed up and sneaky, and it it sucks because the on-screen product. I'm not gonna say it's all it's you know the best thing ever, but it's certainly improved. Triple H has had his flaws; he's brought back people that haven't necessarily gotten over, but a lot of the stuff has improved. Uh, and I've been really enjoying the hell out of the product. It's just again, there is this black cloud over the announcement that literally could come every day. The WWE is going for sale; it's probably going to Saudi. But real quick before I answer that, the only person who I the only the only people who I who were brought back who I don't think should have been is uh hit row. And I agree. <laughs> I, uh, I think that Johnny Gargano's had good matches. Dexter yeah. Loomis has been interesting. I think Bronson Reed is is Bronson he, Reed's a beast. I think he, he's gonna be an intercontinental champion at some point. I, I could make an argument for, for, for some of the women, Meacham, Candice LeRae. Uh they haven't really done much for me. I, at least. I mean Candice LeRae puts on good matches, as does as does uh, Mia Yim. I'll never call her by that name, by Mia I hate I hate it so much. I will always call her Mia Yim. I never understood why they did that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, my, Anders, go ahead. Um, my understanding is that they wanted her to get a new name, and I think this was before. Or she wanted a new name instead of Mia Yim because you can't. You know, she was in Reckoning. Yeah. And I, I can't remember what her name was. No, she 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 was reckoning her name. Was was, reckoning, what, what was the name the, of that faction? The group was Retribution. Retribution, yeah. She was yeah. And I hated, I hated that they did that to her because she was such a great wrestler down in NXT. That group but, had so much potential. They fumbled it from day one. Yeah, I don't think even think that group had potential. And I think got, it had potential. And I, and and, and, and Maze kept his name, but now he's gonna say, Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't get me started on the male models. I, uh, I, hate, it. I hate it. Um, but um getting back to the sale. Vince has said from from the reporting that has been done, 
He has put a price tag of $9 billion. It's not worth $9 billion. I think that he put that price out there as a way to maybe get a higher uh, network deal somewhere. Because I know that the deal is up in September at Fox. And the rumors are that they don't want to go higher than what they're already paying, which I believe is um, Two, 200 think, something. 200 something million, yeah, a year. But I think he's trying to posture and say, okay, I, you know, this is what this is what the product is, this is what the company is valued at. But I do, I will say this: if it if it is bought by Saudi Arabia, you will see a max a mass exodus of wrestlers. I do oh, not think the, I do not think the product will be the the same ever again. I think that uh, AEW and even to a, a, I think you might see New Japan here on uh, on. Uh, y- U.S. Uh, U.S. broadcast very well. Might I actually think it would be the death of WWE? Like I think within five oh, years, I, WWE would be no longer. I I think as soon as everyone's contracts are up, they're gone. I don't I, I don't think, and I and I don't even think for the you know they could pay them as much money as they want. I don't think people are going to take it. The um, the only legitimate sale option I thought could work is maybe Comcast because I would think they already have NBC, obviously Universal. They own Raw, they own Peacock, they own NXT. Just put SmackDown they, on NBC. They don't. They don't. Yeah, but they said they, they don't want it. Well, not for nine billion dollars. That's the thing. That's what I think that the I think that the the valuation is the posture to try and get more money from. From uh, you know t- TV rights, because I do not believe that company is is value, is, is worth nine billion dollars. Um, you know it's you know maybe it's probably up there maybe five or six billion. You know four maybe somewhere around there. Um, but I think but I and I and I, I will also say if it was sold to Saudi Arabia, I would not watch WWE anymore. No, and I and I by the way though I don't think that they're going to make a deal with the TV networks until it's sold. Because the TV networks are not going to want to buy the product until they know who the owner is. I think that there will be something that comes out where, where you know, maybe Vince no longer wants to sell or something like that, and then they'll make a deal. Um, I, I just, I can't see him selling, selling it. Um, it, it feels wrong to sell it. Like it just, it, it does. It, I mean, it's it does, you know, it really does. Years. Yeah, it really does. I just, I don't, I, just, I don't know what's, what's going on through that crazy old man's head right now. The, the whole thing with like kick, and I understand there's reports of that Stephanie McMahon didn't want to, would you really be back CEO? She was just there at Vince, and you know, I think everybody's so happy when well, Steph and Triple H were running the company, and well, and, Vince not being there, and right, and and well, Steph was, she, she was co CEO with uh with um Nick with, Khan with Nick Khan, who took a lot of shit. Seemingly, it almost seems like it was leaked from Vince's side about, oh, Nick Khan was the one that did all these releases and bullshit. Like, Nick Khan took all this shit and he's just like, dude, I'm yeah. here. Like, I'm doing my job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and the, you know, he's still there and the product's flourishing. So I think, you know, you can you you can look and go, OK, well, what was what was the one thing when the product was garbage that was there? And the answer is Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. And it's I think that. Triple H is the one who understands <clears throat> just like when WWE and you know, you know, back in then WWF was going in the Monday Night Wars against WCW, you had Hogan and Savage get pulled from W, you know, they got they got brought over to WCW. WWE uh they created brand new characters. 
uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon. And I, I was a huge Razor Ramon fan. He was the first, like, he was the, the first, bad bad, first bad guy that I loved to root for. And then he, they got pulled. So, but Triple H understood, you know, what they needed to do in order to win was build new characters. They built The Rock. They built Stone Cold. They built Triple H. Taker was constantly evolving and getting better. HBK was still there. You know, they had, uh, you know, like... Um, Bret Hart was still there for a while. Oh, well, Bret... So, obviously, the screw job. Bret Hart left. I, I want to say that was in 96 or 97, something. 97, screw job. 97, okay. And he went to, uh, you know, WCW, WCW and then got then got his face kicked, his head kicked off by Goldberg. By Goldberg. <laughs> um, but you had... But you, you were creating new stars, creating new factions. You had, you know, DX and, um, you know, so you had... Uh, you brought back X Pac, who you know was in NWO at one time, and you built up the um, you had Mankind, and you know, uh, you know, who then it was Cactus Jack and Dude Love. I mean, there's so many, so many things, and it was the Attitude Era, but you you rebuilt everything, and Vince is still stuck in that early 90s, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, all that stuff. Where Triple H knows you need to build new stars, or you got to take existing stars and turn them into what they should be, and that is what Triple H has done. You know, Sammy for the longest time was just being used as like this comedy act. I mean, he literally fought Johnny Knoxville, and now he's like he's one of the top. You know, he's one of the tops. Roman for the longest time, Vince was pushing him as like the top babyface. Triple H was like, "Go do your thing," and now he's. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that was under the Vince era, but yeah, but but even like Triple H is taking the Sammy character in the bloodline, which started with Vince, but has mostly mm-hmm. been put under the Triple H era, and it really right. took off and evolved. Especially when Solo came in, it clashed to the castle, uh, and the whole thing just went from a really good story to the best story. Right. So you you look and I just Triple H has that has a an amazing mind for the business. I don't know what ha- you know i don't know what's going to happen in the future if if vince sells if he doesn't i as long i will be okay as long as it's not to uh to saudi arabia saudi. i think that if triple h stays on which i think he should whoever buys it if they don't retain him would be just absolutely stupid because he is just he i mean i'm not going to say he you know he's hitting a thousand but he's he's definitely more right than wrong uh when it comes to a lot of the stuff that that he's doing and um We'll see in the future, but you know, for right now, I'm just really looking to forward to this WrestleMania. I think there's, you know, I think that we still have a lot of things that are going to happen leading up to this WrestleMania. More matches that are going to be made, and uh, right now, you know, mostly good matches. Maybe one or two duds that I can already see, um, but you know, it's a spectacle. Yeah, for me, like Lesnar, Omas, that's just a spectacle thing. You got one of those, you know craziest human strong strong human beings uh, in the world against a seven foot two four hundred pound giant I, i'm gonna hire out with my bodyguard one day uh. let, here let me ask you this question before before we go do so you think roman is good you you think roman's gonna retain i i want roman to retain i actually do think cody's walking away with the belt okay that 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 was my question. Do you, uh, was do you want Cody to win or do you want Roman to win? No, I I, um, I want Roman to win. I think Cody is going to walk over the belts, and I do think maybe are they going to do the draft the night after WrestleMania? That would be something. That would be 
I don't think they're going to do it the night after because I know that the night after WrestleMania is almost it's as big as hot. Wrestle. Yeah, it's always hot. You might see someone new there. I mean, there's some names that I, you know, like I've heard Jay White potentially to WWE. Interesting. I don't know if you you even know who Jay White is. I, I, I've heard of Jay White. Yeah, okay. I've, been, I've been reading stuff on him. So Jay White was uh, took over as a leader of the Bullet Club. Just lost a but he's his contract was up with New Japan. Just lost uh, two matches to you know loser leaves Japan matches, and he uh, he's he's super good. He's only like twenty seven or twenty eight years old, already extremely accomplished. I'll tell you so who he kind of reminds me of is a Chris Jericho. Okay. In this, in in the sense of he's very young, already world traveled, already except he he's already more successful successful than Jericho was at, at this uh, stage in his career, um, especially overseas. But um, really, really good wrestler. And if he if he came to WWE, I could see him. I could see them strapping a rocket to his back because he's a he's a, he's a great character. Um, but I think that they're going to, you know, that Roth WrestleMania is always a big one. And then um, I think that, you know, you, you're going to want to tune into the draft to see who goes. Yeah, where. that's true. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Joey, it's been another fun one. Whenever we get together, it's always fun. I'm sure you will be back on here more often than not. If the fans would like it, maybe uh, I know we did not have time today, but as we get uh, closer to the uh, NFL draft, of course, the NBA playoffs will be then. We we might have to do some more collaborations here on Brandon's World. But thank you as always. Uh, and go and check out your social stuff real quick. Yeah, just follow me uh, at, at Twitter uh, at Twitter um, at Goodfellow underscore Joey. Uh, it's about it. It's a it's that's where I'm at right now. But uh, you'll be seeing a lot uh, more from me soon and. Uh, Brandon, I, I I just want to say thank you for having me on. Brandon's world is always a blast to do, always a blast to watch. If you guys do not listen, you gotta blast that out all, all over the place. Make sure your friends know about it because it's such a it's such a, a fun thing to do. You know, we are in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Voltage Live. Excuse me, the, the great Jen Noga. We are in collaboration with Voltage Live. We are sponsored by Anchor. You can check us out wherever you get your podcast: Apple. Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, video clips on, on YouTube. And as always, we will be back here on Thursday where I will be giving my March Madness tournament breakdown. Who do I have winning the entire March Madness bracket? Plus, all things NFL free agency, any wrestling news, anything that comes out, you know I will always have it there. And I will see you guys next time. Peace.